Hi, this is Mary. Welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. Today, I'm talking to my friend Jacqueline, and she looks at everything from an attachment lens. I'm going to drop us right into a conversation that Jacqueline and I had together about the secure attachment style. And so, Mary, attachment is the root, right? It informs how we make our decisions, how we respond to trauma, whether or not we choose, let's say, riskier things that could possibly give us more trauma. And and we know that the goal is secure attachment. And I'm wondering, how did you learn about security? So I think my first experience, well, I, I'm not going to say my first experience with secure attachment, but because secure attachment really begins with the caregivers, I had this really interesting experience and I didn't even know I was doing this. And this is before I went back to grad school and studied clinical psychology and really even knew what attachment theory was all about. But I used to watch the TV show Friday Night Lights and Kyle Chandler. Oh, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Kyle Chandler plays the father and he is attuned. He's supportive. He's patient. He listens. He's fair. He doesn't judge. Everybody goes to him for advice. I mean, he is just like, he's that anchor. He's the anchor of the community. And I watched that show every week. And every week I cried in that show. Mm -hmm. I cried every episode. I think that show went for like five seasons. I don't know, maybe there were like 20 something episodes. However many episodes there were, I like cried in every episode. And then when I went to grad school, learned about attachment theory, I was like, oh, Kyle, I was being reparented by Kyle Chandler, by Coach Taylor, I should say. I was literally, I was literally being reparented by Coach Taylor. And, and I, and so I learned in grad school, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm getting like doing my inner child work. I'm being reparented by Coach Taylor. And then later I learned that this is all part of attachment theory. So I was really developing what a secure attachment looked like with a primary caregiver. I love that episode. <laughs> what was it? What is it? Clear eyes, full hearts? Yeah. Hearts, something like yeah. that. And that high school actually, you know, Friday Night Lights was based on a book that a reporter right. went to Odessa, Texas. And, you know, he was fascinated with football culture. Texas the, forever. Yep. <laughs> and, that, and the high school is Permian High School. And that's where my mom went to high school. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that show. But I love the idea of, you know, as we we look for like these models in our culture or, or, you know, one of the things that I actually work with on clients is finding like, think of, you know, envision someone, whether it's somebody, you know, or don't know, it could be right. You know, an imaginary a character. character. It yeah. doesn't matter, yeah. but someone who you mm-hmm. embodies the ideals of what secure attachment looks like. It's such a good anchor to start if you did not grow up in the environment where you had that, or you feel so far out and away from that, that it's hard for you to connect back to that. And that's resourcing, yeah. right? And yeah. it's like, I had, I had no idea that I was using this person as one of my resources. And I would actually think about him during the day. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Like, I'm imagining, yeah. kind of picturing, like, what would he say in specific scenarios? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does work. And it sounds kind of corny, but it doesn't really matter if it's corny or not. So a lot of therapy stuff is really corny, but guess what? It works. Okay. That's the bottom line. And you see this for those of you out there 
who have children is one of the things, one of the, the, the strongest therapeutic modality we do with children is that of play. And when I work with young kids, it's so easy for them to drop into the different parts of ourselves and play and explore. And that's part of the reason, like also children's brains are, right, they're, they're so very malleable, right? So it's much easier to move through things quicker. But they have that ability to play and drop in. And so trying on those new personas mm-hmm. of, oh, this is what I need. It's easy for them to connect to that. Yeah. Yeah. So as adults, we need to do the same because in essence, when we are trying to give ourselves secure attachment, we're reparenting ourselves. Yeah, we're reparenting ourselves and we're reparenting that inner child, that child part of us that may not have gotten that when we were kids. Yeah. So this week, Mary and I just wanted to break down a little bit more of the nuances of what secure attachment is so that you can have a good grip on all these little ways that it can play out. Because the more that you know, the more awareness that creates and where you can create change. And so I always like, I've been thinking about this, and I love the analogy of spirit animals for the different attachment style. Are you on board with this? Sure. All right, let's go with it. Let's go with it. (laughs) It can be an easy reminder, like a visual. And so the spirit animal in my eyes, and I'd love to hear if, if you have if you have one, is I always like to say the secure attacher is the golden retriever. And that is because in my eyes, the way I see golden retrievers is they're fear intelligent. So it's not that they just dope around and trust everyone. They have an innate sense of trust. You almost feel that kind of calm within self and calm with others, yet they still sense danger. They don't give it up and they're not just like, woo, free to the will, but they have that kind of innate sense of trust you feel off of them. And that's what secure attachment is. Which is why they're the perfect family dog. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) However you feel about golden retrievers, if you look at the essence of them, it is that Mm -hmm. in my eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, also, they're loyal. They're protective. They'll, you know, they come when you call them like they're not, you know, doing their own thing. And they have a uh, they have a sense of attunement with yeah. you. And that is what we're looking for with secure attachment. Secure attachers are able to both within the self. Right. Which is what anxious parts need to work on the stronger internal and with others, which is what avoidant types need to work on the connection with others. They have a balance of trust with self. And trust with others. Well, essentially, they don't go outside and see the world as a dangerous place. Correct. They see the world as a place that they can trust. Yeah. And when things go awry and you're put in a dangerous situation, you trust yourself enough to handle it in saying, I know, in essence, I'm going to be able to meet my needs, right? Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens in life, I have some deep understanding that I'll be taken care of. Right. Yeah. Right. Because the mirroring that they get at home is that they see that they start to learn that they can take care of themselves and also feel completely supported within themselves and grounded while they're doing it. So they're not like, oh, my God, I can take care of myself or I can take care of myself. With with that either like you're talking about the anxiety or or that 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 distance right nobody's got me but me i'm all on my own and and so like really going into the world and you can you can actually see this like people's posture yeah going into the world with like their chest open their heart open confidence and not a false self not a false sense of confidence like a true sense of confidence 
and just being like, yeah, I'm here. I've arrived. Like, let's get down to business. While being able to write that sense of confidence in self while in connection with others. You know, going back into one of the things secure attachers got, like we know that attachment style is not just based on what happens to us in this lifetime, right? The study of epigenetics, they're finding ways to quantify the research, which is really cool. So if I always believed in, but now they're able to measure in some way, right? So it's becoming more accepted around how our experience right now that we're having affects our DNA. And that is passed on to our offspring. So with attachment style, what they found out is that they could predict your attachment style, almost disturbing, before you're even born based on the attachment that your parents have, right? Their attachment styles. And that continues upon generation, generation upon generation. And unless you work to change it, it's pretty accurate. Now, the good news is, is you can change it if you happen to fall under the umbrella of insecure attachment. So just a caveat for those of you out there who go, well, I had a pretty happy childhood. Why do I have so much anxiety? Or why do I have so much avoidance? Like I felt pretty loved. Because it might be intergenerationally where some of that wasn't matched up, right? Because we know trauma, for example, is, is a risk factor. But what it looks like just for like a more, you know. And there are other factors that your environment, your culture, schooling, siblings, siblings where you lay on the, in the sibling yep, hierarchy. hierarchy. Yeah. But just to go into like an example of it is, I, I mean, I feel like Mary will play, will role play for a bit just to give people an example of like what secure attachment looks like in the moment. Of, so I'll just say, you know, I had a hard day at work. I feel a little tired, a little dehydrated. What would be your response as, as a securely attached individual? <laughs> I'm like, right? huh. Nothing. That's well, I had to earn I had to earn my secure attachment. I would say, is there anything I could do for you? How are you feeling? How was your day? Mirroring back. Oh, it sounds it like sounds your like day you... was tiring and you know, and then going into the support. So it's mirroring the the experience mm-hmm. of somebody and then validating uh, their experience. Yeah, validating and mirroring. And then supporting them. And providing some kind of support. Yeah. And now what they found is it's really in the act of support versus getting the support right. So just how you think about like when a baby's crying and you don't know why the baby's crying. So you feed the baby. Nope, the baby's still crying. You check the diaper. Nope, the diaper is clean. You keep going. You keep trying to find it. That is what builds security while having empathy for the baby. It's not in always figuring it out because the baby starts to register, oh, I can be in distress and this person is still here for me, right? right? And the whole reason the attachment system was developed, right, the theory behind it is to bond us to our caregivers so that they will help us survive, right? So when things go a little bit into the dysregulation state, our bodies respond in a different way. And we'll get to that that, that in, in future episodes with the other attachment styles. And I, and I and I think that's such such a great because some people think like, oh, my nervous system always needs to be neutral to be in this place of secure attachment. And that's not true. We can be in distress and our nervous systems can be amplified or we can experience hyperarousal or hypoarousal. I think it's the way that the other person shows up for us that can bring us back either down to neutral or back up to neutral, depending on where you are 
in your state of your nervous system. Exactly. Because all day long, things will yes. affect us that nobody can get away with. It's not about being a robot, right? It's about building your window of tolerance for distress and joy. If you run mm -hmm. anxious, joy is something you'll have to work on as well. But building your, your, your window of tolerance for all the different experiences and then knowing what to do about them to come home to yourself or trying, efforting what to do about them, even when you don't exactly know. The ability to figure that out and be in that state of discomfort around the unpredictability. So I have a question because this comes up a lot. And I think that this is, is also a good example of having a secure attachment is like, when you, something happens and you're in distress, whatever it is, you got a flat tire on the side of the road and you call your partner and you're like, oh my gosh, I got this flat tire and, you know, I really need some help. And they're busy doing something else. Like, hey, I can't talk to you right now. Is, you know, can we talk about this later? How do you think that works in the secure attachment style? Because the person... Mm -hmm wants to show up for you, can't show up for you, and here you are kind of stranded on the side of the road. So there's a few things about that. We have to remember that secure attachers, right, contain both the ability to meet their own needs within self, as well as accept that help, ask for help from others. So it's always that, it's kind of that balance of like, back to that internal sense of trust of asking your partner for help. Hey, I'm in trouble right now. So like, number one, I would say would be asserting like how much of it is a need like are you able to handle it on your own are there things that you need that are an emergency right now asserting that which is i need you not in a snappy way but i'm really struggling right now i need your help are you able to do abc for me if the partner still says no i really can't i'm in my own i'm putting out my own fires somebody who's more secure has the ability to say it's okay mm -hmm. i love you i'm still here for you as well i'm gonna handle this we'll reconvene later, right? So it's also that ability to, oh, when you can't, I know that I can. Right, right. right? And, and that their inability to do that is not a reflection on how we are as a person. Or even a reflection on how they are as a person right. in the sense of it's, it's not about looking to somebody to fill your needs in that way. It's knowing that it, it's you're okay no matter what. But the, the thing that comes with that is Secure attachers tend to bond with other secure attachers. So it's kind of that innate sense of trust and flow between the two of, I know that I can take care of myself and I know that the other person can too. And I will say, I think secure attachers tend to grow together. Yeah. And I love that you said secure attachers tend to be with other secure attachers mm -hmm. because one thing that we also talk about is interdependence. And so there's an interdependence of that in that. That's what the relationship is about. It's about interdependence. It's not about codependence. Yeah, not codependence. That's yeah, we'll get to that. Interdependence. And that means, for me, that means we can live, we can have our separate situations and also come together. And I feel okay that you're going out with your friends and doing your thing. And I'm going to be sitting at home, whatever, watching Love is Blind because that's what I like to do. And I'm going to be here for you when you come home. And you know that I'm going to be here for you when you come home, just like vice versa. Like, I know that you're going to be there when I come home. And, and it's not going to be like, where were you? Who were you with? It was like, we're going to have a conversation. Like, how was your evening? Wow, that sounds really fun. What else did you do? It's like this innate sense of... Well, trust. Yeah, that 
Mary, you're my rock and I'm your rock. And so when we have that in times of distress, because you know that in your heart, it's a different way of communicating and navigating the world, right? right? Feels so good. It does feel so good. Yeah. And you mentioned something earlier that I want to get to, which is earned secure attachment. Mm -hmm. Because not all of us grew up in the environment with that. And by the way, this is on a scale. All of us have certain amounts of secure attachment and certain amounts of different insecure behaviors, right? So maybe when we're more stressed, one side comes out more than the other, right? And we can build towards more security when we have corrective relationship experiences, when we have corrective experiences on our own. It's really both. And I love that you said like, it, it can come out at some points like in distress yeah. because what I what I noticed with myself it's like yes I had to earn my secure attachment I had to earn it <laughs> and what I noticed is that there is that part of me that you know when something comes up it's like and I'm like oh I know what that is that's that that's my insecure part and so I'm able to take care of my insecure part so that that little part of me feels okay and keep going along in my secure attachment style. So it's like I'm able to recognize, name it, and have a relationship with it, and it doesn't take over. One of the biggest things you will notice as you're working on your style is progress looks like dual awareness. And so the dual awareness is what Mary just mentioned. Your ability to see in the moment that you're doing the whatever avoidant or anxious or or the push-pull, the disorganized behavior, you're, you have the ability to see it. Oh, I'm clocking. I'm aware that it's happening while I'm doing the thing. Okay. And so now what am I going to do about mm-hmm. it? Which is very mm-hmm. different than when it, mm-hmm. it's called, you know, another great, really dry therapeutic term is over-identification. When you're so in the feeling of the depression the anxiety that you can't see out. It's like you've seen, I'm sure you all have witnessed someone else in that situation where no matter what you say, you can't get through to them. That's when they're in their over-identification. And so one of the steps away to security is right that reparenting of that dual awareness. Oh, I understand this is what I'm doing right now, right? And it might not look like while you understand it, you might not always be able to meet that need in the beginning, right? Because that's not how progress looks. But it's like, you know, being an athlete, you got to keep training. And some days are really hard. And I love that you talked about like those, that choice point, right? It's like when you are able to separate yourself from it and be like, oh, okay, this Mm -hmm. is what's coming up. Now I have a chance right now to do something different, to do something that that insecure part of me wouldn't normally do. And in order to move into secure attachment, it's an energetic shift, right? Like you're going to have to think, be, feel in a new way. So it won't feel comfortable necessarily. And it will feel counterintuitive at times. It won't feel that good, familiar hosiness in a way, right? Even if it's not serving us, like these old behaviors, because that familiarity can feel so comfortable, we can feel drawn to repeat them, right? So... Do you have some tips about how to move into secure attachment? Yes. And to start with the tip, I just want to explain that the attachment style is located in the limbic portion of the brain. And this is going to become important when we talk about tips. The limbic portion of our brain also houses the physical threat response system. And that limbic portion is linked to our central nervous system. 
And the central nervous system runs on the need to connect and the need to survive. And when we're in secure attachment, those needs go hand in hand. We, we've mm -hmm. got both at the same time. When our system sense distress, that's when the, the, the radar goes on. And if you have the insecure, you start going only into the survival response. Fight, flight, freeze, or the blending of a state. Fawn, fog. Can you think of yeah. any others? No, those are yeah. all the Fs. So, <laughs> fog. <laughs> and when we, when we go into just the survival part, what happens is the neurons in our brain become reinforced to say, oh, this is the way to, mm -hmm. of course, survive. Mm -hmm. But we lose the need, we lose the connecting part. And we have to bring that along in, in tandem in order to bring us back into that state of safety, which is in essence a balanced nervous system. So the biggest tool I'm gonna give you, and, and honestly, if you just focus on this one tool, you're going to get there so fast. And that is nervous system regulation. And if you just think in your head, no matter what happens, okay, how can I balance my nervous system? Then you will do okay. And with the caveat that most of us go into the auto regulation, which is, I feel bad. I'm going to go watch a movie or I'm going to go have a glass of wine, right? The distracting, even exercise, you can use it as a way to distract or you can use it as a way to connect. Most of us rely so heavily on that that it's too strong. So we need to build up the other ways of regulation, which look like. Right. Because those are like, they, those can be considered like tuning out, right? Exactly. Yeah. The avoidant. So regulation through learning to connect to your feeling. If you're opposite temperature control, if you're feeling hot, go cold. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling cold, go hot. Mm -hmm. Breath work, walking, yeah. water, meditation. Doing these things also, I'm going to say, until you actually feel good. Even like good. sticking your face in a bowl of ice water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. Or running yeah. your hands under cold water for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. um, doing or activities bring you a sense of joy. And the, the big one is connecting to your feelings, learning to explore them, and figuring out what you need can bring you into a state of regulation. And that's going to be a huge, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into that. And, and so one thing that I find really helpful, I mean, I think breath is like one of the most essential activities <laughs> that you can actually like mindfully do. And yeah. we're not just talking because we, we, you know, we breathe all day long and we don't notice it. But when you start to incorporate that mindful breathing, counting your breath, inhale by four, exhale by eight, really, and that can really help regulate your nervous system. And I feel like sometimes once your nervous system feels regulated, what I like to do is I love to, you know, put on some music and this sounds cheesy too, but as you know, all therapeutics sound cheesy, but they work. And what you were saying is getting connected to the feelings. And so maybe even start journaling about like the feelings that came, yeah, the feelings that came up, you know, what do you notice about them and really start to you know, what I like about journaling is it starts to separate what my experience from who I am as a person. Yeah. Right. So it's, it allows me to like have like a more bird's eye look at it and, and playing the music helps keep me settled too. When you try to regulate your nervous system, you want to do these things until you actually feel a sustained sense mm -hmm. of ease. You don't want to do it just until you feel a little bit of relief. You're not quite regulated enough. Um, 
I also wanted to give the example of I had mentioned that kind of connecting to your feelings work. And we can just I don't know if you'll go with me if you want to be the 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 one leading or the one exploring. But I'd love to give that example because I get asked this a lot and it's much easier for people, I think, to hear what it's what it's like. Well, what's what's the question that gets asked? So they don't really understand, like, what does it mean to connect to my feelings and validate my 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 feelings mm-hmm. and ask for what they need? So would you be willing to just kind of go with connecting to maybe an experience that brought you some kind of distress recently? Well, I guess, yeah, I had a okay. recent experience. Uh-huh. So just keep it in your mind's eye. And it was actually the way that I dealt with it was different. Oh, okay. And so was it different good or different bad? Different good. Okay. So try to go back to the part. We're just going to go back to the feeling of like distress when mm-hmm. you're there. And just when you connect it in your mind's eye, what do you feel right now in your body? Or what emotions do you feel? Or do you feel a sense of even numbness or nothing? You know, I feel a little like vibration in my diaphragm area. That's like the body feeling that I get from it, mm-hmm. from that. What else? I mean, maybe a little tightness in my chest. A little tightness in your chest. Yeah. What else? Any mm-hmm. memories, thoughts, emotions come up? I think I was annoyed. Yeah, I was annoyed. And so if you were just to like kind of try on that, that annoyance part of yourself, that, that that like as if it were a new outfit, what, what would that annoyed part say? The annoyed part would say, at the t- so what was happening at the time a flight got canceled. So the annoyed, mm-hmm. annoyed part would say like, I knew that I had a feeling this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I hate the airline, the not the airline <laughs> that I'm not going to name. Sorry. <laughs> I wish I could. You know, they suck. When I got in line for customer service, I was like, oh, this is so typical. And some guy made some comment of, well, you know, at least this plane won't crash now. I was like, really, dude? Dismissive. Now you're annoying. <laughs> And and then I, you know, got out of the line and I was like, all right, I need to take care of this myself. Okay. And so what if you could just go with this for a moment of just saying the words, I hear that there is something inside of me that feels annoyed. I hear that there's something inside of me that feels annoyed. And just notice if there's any change in your body. If not, that's okay. Just notice what's happening. And notice if you any memories come up, the thoughts about the future any experience in your body at the moment a sense of nothingness or where do you go what do you mean like thoughts about the future anything at all just anything that comes into your head almost like i always consider this like the vomit of whatever's the experience like one needs to allow whatever it is to come up even if it's a sense of nope i feel good now yeah i don't really feel anything right now i'm not numb but i don't i mean i don't feel annoyed i think that because I was able to be, I was able to accept what happened and just get on my phone and make a reservation for a different flight and then kind of go on my way and say like, okay, well, that happened and that's, you know, 
I'm just going to continue with my trip. And so even noticing what that's like, if there's some sense of like pride, perhaps, or just even a feeling of like well-being of taking care of yourself. Yeah, I felt like well-being. I felt like this is not really something to get upset about. It's not really worth it. And I'm just going to get in there later. And now I'm going to start reading this book that I bought at the bookstore. So thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for just filling the spot. I just threw that one on you. But the point is that Mary and I have, we both share that. I've also done a lot of work. And so the Mary of like, you know, 10 years ago might have had a meltdown. But I think that's the important thing, right, to see the progress and notice how the experience, right? Like, you know, what I'm trying to get you guys to see is another way of regulation in the moment to move to secure attachment is to just tell Mary how you connected to your original feeling. You explored what that was like in your body. You repeated it back to yourself as a way to validate. And then you had already met the need, but say you hadn't met the need. In the moment, it would be asking yourself, what does this part of me need? And then seeing if you can meet that within. And what you did is you met that need. So you were also able to connect to how it feels to meet your own need. And I'm going to add to that. So a lot of times we say, oh my God, I'm so annoyed right now. And I think it's really important to shift that to I feel annoyed right now. Or there's something inside me that, that feels, is annoyed. Yeah, yeah, that feels annoyed right now. Or I, I'm feeling annoyed by this situation right now. So I think it's important because I think that creates, again, it creates that separation, right? And that, that's what you say it in. Like, so we're giving two different ways to say that in my language is I hear there's something inside me and Mary's is there's something that that I am annoyed right now. And the key with both of those is the Well, I'm right saying now, like I'm feeling annoyed as right opposed now. to I am annoyed. Oh, feeling. I'm sorry, yeah. I missed that part. Yeah. yeah. And the, the point with the, either of those is understanding that it's a temporary state and that it's not, uh, my, my sense is, it's not all of you, right? And that can be like the body learning that little piece, right? It creates trust within the body to understand it's not all of me or I know that this won't last forever. And the more that you practice that kind of marrying back as I did with Mary and then the ability to meet the need the more the body starts to understand, oh, this is how I can put myself back in regulation. And so that's going to be like, that's like my, I would say, one of my biggest tips of all on how to regulate. And like all of the tips we gave, different things work at different times. So you got to like keep pulling them out and trying them yeah. out until you find one that works for them. And I think that's like a great journaling exercise when you're feeling like, when you, when you're, when you are feeling either hypo- Hyper arousal. Hyper arousal. I was going to say hypo or So that means, like, yeah. for those of you out there, hypo arousal is like, I'm like flatlined. I feel nothing at all. I feel a state of numbness. Or hyper aroused is like high anxiety, fight, yeah. uh, high alert, right? That's what we mean by hyper and hypo. So, whatever the feelings are that are coming up, that's, that's a really good journaling exercise is to name the feelings and then start to explore what's going on with those feelings like when you're saying like a part of me feels annoyed right now like explore that part right find the part feel the part you know ask start having a relationship with the part and i'm just going to say for those of you out there who connect more to being really physical i like to do that exercise while walking 
And another way to do it is, as Mary suggested, the writing, right? For some people that that is like so cathartic. So you will have to find your way and what works for you. And again, different things might work at different times. But these are the tips we leave you with. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll just say, like you said at the beginning, you can, you can have the secure attachment and it has to be earned. So it lies within you to do the work. And you got to do it regularly. Otherwise, like, I mean, you're not a surfer if you get in the water <laughs> once a year. Like, you're just not. So you're not going to be a secure attacher if you do the work once. Once or once a week with your therapist. You got to do it all the time because life is fluid and constantly changing. And I think it's I think it's just really great when you do start to really earn that secure attachment and you'll start to notice these huge shifts in your life and you're going to be able to look back and and understand why you made the decisions that you made and now be where you are now from a very secure grounded trusting place and it just feels like I just even notice like in my body like it just feels so good it feels so solid mm -hmm. like it feels really really strong I feel like I can have a conversation about anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like I can hold my boundaries with people. And sometimes there's that little insecure part of me that's like, uh-oh. But I reassure that part that's like, I got your back. We're going to do this and it's going to feel good. And every time I do this work more and more, that little voice gets quieter, quieter and quieter, doesn't show up as often as it used to. Because that little voice used to be the big voice and run the show. And progress does not look like that scale, right? So it's not linear. When we have, for example, for those of you who struggle more on the anxious side, if you go through the breakup and you get so triggered, you might say, where's all my progress? Is it out the window? That does not mean the progress isn't happening. It just means that trigger is just particularly big for you, right? So... Just keep your eyes on the prize, the spirit animal of the golden retriever, regulate that nervous system. All right. Go back and listen to this for how to connect to your feelings. And we wish you happy dating. And before we go, I just want to say one more thing about what Jacqueline just said. I love that part where you're talking about that the progress isn't happening. You know, you're really saying that the progress is happening. So this is all about flexibility and adaptability. An earned secure attachment style reflects flexibility and adaptability in relationships. So you can navigate these challenges, communicate effectively, and respond to the needs of yourself and others in a more balanced way. So remember, Earning a secure attachment style is a dynamic process and it can be achieved at any stage of life. So we know that early experiences shape attachment styles, but we have the capacity for growth and change, right? And a lot of this growth is happening in our neural network system. So when you're engaging in intentional efforts to understand and transform your relational patterns, you are going to experience growth and change, especially when it comes to relationships and dating. For more information on attachment styles or anything mental health, DM me on Instagram at MaryBTherapy or visit me on my website, MaryBTherapy.com. And thanks for listening.